If you've got a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians. We are starting a new series. And uh, in 1 Corinthians, um, we are going to look at a lot of uh, issues and a lot of different things in 1 Corinthians. Um, I think we would all probably agree that, uh, that Christians are one of the main reasons why people uh, pursue the gospel or want to come to know Jesus Christ. Because they met someone who said they were a believer, said they were a Christian, something's different about their life, and then they, uh, then they go and pursue what he's talking about or what she's talking about uh, to become a Christian. And a lot of times we're a great witness for the Lord. A lot of times many of you will say, I can remember someone in my youth or somebody um, in my, in my uh, middle age or some point in time when they influenced me to come to know Jesus Christ. A person normally does that. But I think you would also agree with me that one of the main reasons why people want nothing to do with gospel, the gospel or Christianity is because of Christians too, right? That they would say, oh, this person said they were a Christian, and this person said they were this, and this person said that. That's why I want nothing to do with God, and nothing to do with the gospel, and nothing to do with church, and nothing to do with anybody who calls himself a Christian. Uh, there, was a, there was a really neat uh, saying by Paul Gilbert. It says this, you are writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by deeds that you do, by words that you say. Men read what you write, whether faithless or true, say, what is the gospel according to you? And you think about that. You know, we as Christians write a gospel, um, a chapter each day by what you say and what you do. And when we come to the church at Corinth here, that's what they were doing. Um, they were um, in the middle of the city and, you know, they were a first church um, in this area. First, probably one of the first churches that Paul um, started as Christians and, uh, you know, we use that term as a big umbrella. And, um, you know, Paul writes this letter and he comes with a lot of interesting topics. Um, in this uh, little letter, in this letter, it's not little, it's one of the longest letters. Um, we talk about uh, things that'll be a lively discussion, like um, talking about unity in the church and discord in the church. Um, talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, we talks about uh, um, the judgment and rewards. Talks about why Christians stay baby infant Christians and why some grow and mature fast. Uh, we're going to talk about lawsuits. We're going to talk about singleness, about divorce, about remarriage, uh, about the woman's role in a church. Um, talk about why someone died in the middle of the Lord's Supper. That's a pretty interesting one and story. Um, we're going to talk about uh, what people refer to as gray areas or convictions that people talk about. Um, the gifts of the Spirit, miracles, tongues, and prophecy, and things like that. So it's going to be a lively discussion. It's going to be a lively study. Um, if you've never studied through the, book, uh, the little letter of first, I mean, the, not little letter, the letter of 1 Corinthians, I encourage you to read ahead. And read it in this uh, context of Paul talking to this church. Um, one series um, that I did a long time ago, um, I named it Church Gone Wrong. And this is uh, pretty much um, what you can see here um, at the church at Corinth. And um, the church at Corinth was obviously loc located in the, in the city of Corinth. Um, very impressive city. 
Uh, it was very wealthy. It was a trade city. Uh, it was a port city. And there was a lot of money uh, in that area. Population of maybe 700,000 to 800,000 people in this little area. It was part of the Roman colony um, and the Rome, part of the Roman Empire. Um, and it was a very religious, religious city. It was kind of a melting pot of all these different ideals and different people and very, uh, had a lot of philosophy, a lot of religion, and it was probably one of the most religious cities um, of all the Roman Empire. They had a lot of Greek gods that they served, goddesses and Greek temples. There was one larger than any other. It was guarded um, behind gates and walls and um, had a thousand... uh, prophetess that uh, served there, and obviously they had other things they were doing there, so it was a really crazy kind of place. Um, It had the reputation of being a very loose city, a very uh, sensual city. Matter of fact, the same was, uh, you know, morality takes a vacation when you go to Corinth. Kind of like we say today, you, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, you know, um, or we call it Sin City, uh, you know, or New York City, the city that never sleeps. Uh, that's the way this city was. And um, obviously the church being in Corinth was not a bad thing. The problem was Corinth was in the church. That was the bad thing. And we said it many times before, you don't have to worry about the water on the outside of the boat. You got to worry about it when the water gets on the inside of the boat. And when you have new believers and you have new Christians, you have a new church, you have new leadership, there's going to be issues, there's going to be problems, it's going to be ugly because sinful people do sinful things. And Paul writes this letter um, somewhere around A.D. 55. And so you got to keep in mind this is 20 to 25 years after the resurrection of Jesus, and it would make it probably the early, one of the earliest, if not the earliest letter um, in the New Testament. And so Paul uh, founded uh, this church, uh, and you can find this in Acts, um, where he went through there, and Priscilla and Aquila, um, Acts chapter 18, uh, was there as well to help him start. But then obviously he had to move on on his missionary journey to um, fulfill what God has called him. But now he's looking back at some of these issues that had come up to him, and he begins to instruct them. He begins to try to put some sense to some of their issues and problems that they had. And so um, if you got 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to read, oh, let's read the first 17 verses, and we'll go back and, uh, and talk about it. It says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sothenes, our brother, grace, uh, grace, and no wait, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by Him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, 
eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there may be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it had been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that, are a, uh, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Lest, should any, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with, words, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So uh, the first 17 verse, we begin to unpack it. Paul obviously begins with what he um, knew was an issue for a lot of people. The issue was that Paul, as we know, used to be Saul. And Saul was a persecutor of the Christians. And Saul did a lot of things that were not nice to the Christians, were not uh, good for the early beginnings of Christianity. Then Saul gets converted on the road to Damascus, and he becomes Paul. And Paul gets sent out by God to be this missionary, to be one of the greatest apostles and missionaries uh, throughout church history. But there was many there who didn't like Paul, who thought there was something wrong with Paul, that they couldn't understand how or couldn't comprehend um, how Paul could call himself an apostle. And so they were saying, here was Paul, this guy who used to be Saul. Who is he that he could write letters or begin churches or instruct us in righteousness? Well, Paul begins by uh, confronting that. He says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Paul was saying right up front, this has nothing to do with what man wanted. This is what God wanted. That Paul was happy or content doing what he was doing by the will of man, but it was the will of God that called Paul to be the apostle. So Paul was beginning by saying, this is not by the will of man. This was through the will of God. And it's just a good reminder for us, if we're ever going to do anything for God, we have to do it for what God has called us to do, not what man tells us to do, right? Um, I remember uh, growing up listening to preachers, still listen to them. They talk about mama called preachers and daddy called pastors, you know, and that just because their mama wanted to be a preacher, their daddy wanted to be a pastor, uh, they become a pastor. And then they talk about being a God called pastor, a God called minister, a God called servant of the Lord. And that's why when we come to talk about doing things for the Lord or who you are in God, it is God's will. It's not man's will. It's not what you have decided to do. It is what God has decided for you to do. And I can promise you, if you're going to make it anywhere in serving the Lord, you cannot be concerned about what men may say about you. 
because they're going to have a lot to say about you. And Paul, we know, looking back, was probably one of the greatest evangelists and one of the greatest missionaries. Uh, But even here, as we get down a little later, talking about Apollos and talking about some of the others, um, Paul was not the best speaker. Paul had an eye issue, and some people said that his eyes would leak uh, like fluid and pus because he couldn't see very well, Much so much so that's why he had a lot of someone with him to write, like this other brother here that I had a hard time pronouncing his name, uh, uh you get the picture. It's right there. It's, it's the S word. Or we can call him Bubba, his brother here. Um, but he would have people write it. He would have people read it to him. He would have people put uh, an eye salve on his eye because um, he was called by God, but yet he, he wasn't the, the most polished. He wasn't the greatest orator. He wouldn't wow you. He wouldn't, you know, uh, uh, he, he wouldn't just blow you away by his words. And so he had a lot of that feedback. And what he was saying from the beginning was, this has nothing to do with what you have done. This is because of the will of God. I am who I am because God made me who I am. And when you serve the Lord and when you want to take a stand for God, you're going to have to be sure that you're called by God. And how you know you're called by God is you never quit. Paul never quit. Regardless of what people said, and regardless of the persecution and the trials, Paul just kept going and going and going. You know why? Because he was sure that he was sure that God had called him. It was the will of God for him to serve God. And for you and for me, the challenge of this for you and for me is that we, when we serve the Lord, we be, be sure it's the will of God. And when it is, stand on it. Regardless of what people may say about you, regardless how they discourage you, regardless of how, if it's a hundred people or one person or just your family, um, it, it is the will of God. You got to be committed to it. So Paul begins by saying, I was not called by man. I was called by Jesus Christ through the will of God. And then um, he moves on to the church. The church is ecclesia. That's the word for church. Uh, ecclesia. The Greek word means the called out ones. Um, It's a picture of a group of people, and then there are a select number of people that set aside or called out from that group, the ecclesia. So to the ecclesia, the called out ones of God, which are in Corinth. So there is the world, there is the whole city of Corinth, and then there are these called out ones the ones who were chosen by God, the ones who were called by God, the ones who were set aside, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Now, you might say, you know, well, I'm not a saint. I've heard of saints before. They've done a lot of superhero things, and they have been memorialized as saints. But in the Bible, when you read saints, it's not a superhero. Uh, it's not someone who's done a great, large work um, for the kingdom of God, and now they live in infamy, or they live in some sort of special sainthood. Um, the word saint here means just to be set apart. Same thing we talked about here, or to be one who's been sanctified. So how are we a saint? He says, we've been sanctified by Jesus Christ. So if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are a Christian, then you are a saint. You say, well, I'm not really sure about that. I might be an ain't. Well, you're either a saint or you ain't. All right, that's just the way it is. You either know God or you don't know God. If you know God, then you are a saint. You are called apart, which once again goes to what we were talking about the world. 
If you say you believe in Jesus Christ and you say you are of God, then you are called out by God. You are separated from the world. You are separated from the things of the world and you are separated unto Jesus Christ. So for us as Christians, I don't see how we get around this, that when we come to church or we're a Christian, why would we want to live like we're living like, like the world? Like literally in our society and our culture today, and even here early on in the Corinth church, it's not let's see how much sin we can have and still be considered a Christian. It's not let's see how much of the world we can have and let's see how much we can be just like the world, but still call ourselves Christians. No, if you're set apart and you are sanctified by Jesus Christ, you are a saint. You are separated. And I know this is not a doctrine you hear a lot of today um, because it's not very popular, um, but it's a doctrine of separation. And that we as Christians should be separated from the world. We should live not in isolation from the world. It's not, hey, go climb up in a tree and live like a monk, right? It is while you're in the world, you are insulated to the things of the world. It's not, not that you can't have things, but things can't have you. It's not that you can't be in the world, it's that you can't be of the world. And for us as Christians, I think this is one thing where we've missed it, just like the church here at Corinth has missed it, is that we say you can know God, you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you can stay the way that you are. You can live in the world, you can have pleasures of the world, you can, uh, you can go uh, sacrifice to the Greek gods, but then just add Jesus on top of that, then it's okay. I call it the cherry on top religion, right? You know, you get this Sunday, and you get the fudge, and you get the ice cream, and you get all that stuff, and then on the very top, you put this little cherry on the very top of it, right? That's the way some people view Christianity. You are not separated. You are not sanctified. You are not to be separate from the world. You can have all that and have the cherry on top that when you die, you get to go to heaven because you said you know Jesus Christ. No, that's not what Paul says. That's not what the Bible says. He says, for this is the church of God. Jesus is the shepherd. Like when we come to Christianity, we did not pay the price for Christianity. I did not pay the price for my salvation. You did not pay the price for your salvation. I did not pay the price for the church, for those who are called out, for those who are the believers in God. That was, that was God who paid that price. That was Jesus who paid that price. He is the owner of the church. He is the shepherd of the church. And Paul is addressing that because some people, as we'll read on later on, are saying, oh, that's Paul's converts, and that's Apollos' converts, and that's so-and-so's converts. Well, if you're any other convert other than God, then you're not a true convert. And you say, well, that will never happen. Well, I could tell you it's happened before. It was beginning to happen here. Um, you know, for some reason, well, I don't know why, I, I, not some reason, but it's a tendency of man to worship other men. And if you have somebody that's a really good personality and a really eccentric type of guy and a great speaker and a great orator and a great type of um, even a celebrity maybe or someone who has a lot of power and a lot of influence, um, they easily influence people. Not for the gospel and the convert of Jesus Christ, but to be their own followers, to be their own converts. And, you know, I think... 
talking about false religions and talking about, um, you know, cults as we was coming out of Second Peter. Um, I think this is the same thread. You know, a lot of people get following after men and following after their experience with God, and they idolize people. They put them before God, and what they say goes. And I've said this before, and I know, um, you know, I know this is true, even in my own life. Um, don't believe what I say if it's not in the Word of God. If you're not studying the Word of God and you're not digging into God's Word and you're not listening to what I say, listen to what God's Word says. Because, you know, we can't look to what man says. We've got to look to what God says. And, and if you look to the way this happens, um, you know, in, in the church, um, it happens not just locally, happens, you know, around the world. And that people begin to worship man, they move away from God, and yet they're not sanctified, they're of the world. And who doesn't want to enjoy those things? Who doesn't want to hear it's okay? Of course they want to hear it's okay. And so um, when we get later on, and he's talking in Timothy, he says that people will have itching ears, and they will want their ears to be tickled. They will want to hear what they want to hear. And that's what was starting to happen in Corinth here. And, And Paul's coming. Let me set the record straight. This is not your church. You are not, I'm not the Savior. Uh, this other people, not, it is God's church. It is God who separated. It's that you need to be separated from this world. You need to be sanctified unto the Lord. And, and for this, not just here locally, but globally, this is the two areas of the church. One here that's at Corinth, right? This is a local congregation of people that meet together. Then later on, he says, every place that calls on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, we're connected uh, locally as a body of believers, but we're also connected globally with every person that calls upon the name of Jesus Christ. We are called out together. We are part of the church universal. So he says, this is it. This is for you. You are to be separated from the world. We are to be in Christ. And everywhere that names that should be just like that. Then verse 3, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, God's unmerited favor, right? Uh, when you come to talking about um, the grace of God, uh, it, it is that we did not deserve it. We did not earn it. We did not have anything that we could bring to the table when we come to salvation other than a repented heart and a belief in Jesus Christ. That's it. Uh, it, is, it is by grace. He says, grace to you or God's unmerited favor to you. And then peace, which if you read the Bible much, you always realize grace always comes before peace. You'll never see peace before grace. It's always grace, then peace. It's always the unmerited favor of God, and then you can experience the peace of God. Until you experience the grace of God, you'll never experience the peace of God. And Paul comes, he says, grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord um, Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, I love the acrostic for grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Um, It's always a great way to remember that. God's riches at Christ's expense. So he comes and he's setting the record straight. This is grace and peace. Hope you're doing well. I thank my God, always is verse 4, concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus, um, that you were enriched in everything by Him in all utterance and all knowledge. So now he's coming and digging a little deeper. He says, here, I want you to know the grace, and I want to know that I'm thankful for you, but make sure you know that you were enriched in everything by who? By Jesus. 
So it didn't come from the it didn't come from the wisdom of man. It didn't come from the power of man. It came from God. Everything was from Him, and all knowledge and all and utterance uh, of the Holy Word. He says here. Um, verse 6, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift. The church at Corinth was some very talented people. They had a lot of gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that later on in later chapters. And he says, you have all these things and you are waiting, uh, eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who also will confirm you uh, to the end that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's just telling them from the beginning, all the gifts that you have, all the knowledge that you have, all the service that you have done, it is through Christ, you will be judged by Christ, and you'll be rewarded by Christ. It's always great to remember that, isn't it? Because it's not based upon our power, it's not based upon our strength, and it's not going to be based upon men's praise. That, that what God sees is different than what man sees. And I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be really surprised at the people who we think had a lot of praise of man that didn't really have the praise of God. And I think there's going to be a lot of people where we realize they had the praise of God, but maybe not a lot of praise for men. And we realize that what we, when we serve God, that He sees it all. He sees every bit of it. He sees through what everyone else doesn't see. And He gifts people. He uh, confirms people. He holds people accountable. And He will reward people. He is faithful. And that gives me hope. It should give you hope that as you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, that He has given you a gift, He's given you the knowledge, and you'll be accountable to Him, and He sees and He knows what you have done for His kingdom. And He is faithful, and he, when you're called into His fellowship, that He will judge you based according to the gifts and the opportunities He's given you. He's saying this, He's trying to encourage those who are faithful, encourage those who are hanging in there, encourage those who are staying true. Uh, much like in Revelation. You read through the churches, the seven churches. Um, he's encouraging the church of Philadelphia. He tells them you have but a little strength, uh, but you have the power of God in you. And then you read uh, Laodiceans who have a lot of strength, but they have a little bit of God in them, right? Or a little bit of Jesus. And so they were lukewarm, but yet God sees what we don't see. And he doesn't judge upon fruitfulness. He judges upon what? Faithfulness. So as you read this, you realize you begin to adjust how you determine success in serving the Lord. And especially here in Church of Corinth, they were used to big crowds. They were used to um, exotic things. They were used to excitement and entertainment. And then here comes Paul. <laughs> he was boring. He was, he was hard to listen to. He preached a long time, right? He, he had all these things that he was saying. They were looking to him. And then as they began to come to know the Lord, as he began to establish church, all of a sudden comes Apollos. And Apollos was different than Paul. Apollos was a, a great speaker. He was, a, he was a very smart person. He was very crafty in what he says. And he was crafty in these things. And then also you got some that were uh, heard from Peter. 
as you know, he was loud. He was outgoing. He was, he was one who would, ta- who would talk a lot. And then you, you have all these things, and, and Paul begins to begin with this and say he's judged by the faithfulness, not the fruitfulness. You're not judged by the numbers. You're judged by the faithfulness of what God has given to you. So that leads into verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak the same thing. So he says, I want unity in this. Like there shouldn't be a division. There shouldn't be saying, oh, I, I want to point here or point there. He says, I want you to speak the same thing and there be no divisions among you. Now, when it comes to churches and it comes to Christians, Unfortunately, uh, most of the time, we're not known for our unity. We're known for our divisions, right? Uh, We like to draw a lot of lines. And I I love when we come to the non-negotiables of the gospel, there are lines that need to be drawn. Who Jesus Christ is, what salvation is, and all those things are important. But a lot of the preference parts of them, there shouldn't be lines drawn there. Um, if I worship different than you worship, there shouldn't be a line drawn there and saying we can't be brothers and sisters in Christ. I can't say I'm better than you, and you shouldn't say I'm better, better than me. If I'm loud and outgoing or you're quiet and you're reflective, I shouldn't say, what's wrong with you? You don't worship like, like we worship. And you shouldn't say, well, you're crazy and you act crazy when you worship. And, and it's, it's, not, it's not something that you see all the time. Um, so much so in, in a lot of um, public areas, but behind the scenes, it's, it's working. And, and these little things come up and they begin to divide one another over the color of the building, the choice of the carpet, right? The, the songs, what kind of songs we sing. Oh, I don't, I'm not preaching anymore now. I'm starting to meddle, huh? Um, <laughs> the style of songs, the style of worship, all these things. And we draw lines and say, wait a minute, we're not going to fellowship with you. We're going we're gonna to divide with you. We're going we're gonna to have a division. And who loves division more than anyone else? Satan does. And when it's not restoration, but it's division, you can be sure that it's Satan. And he says, Paul comes, he says, I'm warning you, I want you to speak the same thing. I want no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So he's saying as the same thought process and as the same judgment, I want you to come together in these areas and the process of this. So verse 11, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those at Chloe's house, so that there are contentions among you. So he, there was fighting amongst them already. And he's like, this is not good for the world to see. You can get a, in a fight at the, you know, at the ball game. You can have contentions at school. You can have contentions out at workplace. When we come to church, we should be united. United around what? Jesus Christ. And His grace and His mercy and how we love Jesus. But yet, you're here and you're fighting, you're arguing, you got all these contentions among, among you. And who wants to go to a church where they're fighting and fussing and arguing all the time? Who wants to go when there's divisions and they're picking sides? Uh, I, could, I, I used to think it was funny and try to keep track of them, but it became so sad that when we started our church on County Road 210, of how many churches that actually started in the area that didn't make it more than one or two years. And we was up to like 24 churches since we've been there. 
And I thought, man, I guess I'm just too dumb to quit. I don't know. It's like, uh, and, and I remember one pastor coming by and telling me, he said, he said, yeah. He said, uh, we, we, we were together with this church and we had merged these, our churches together. And he said, it started out really good. And he said, then all of a sudden I did something or said something that one of the older uh, church members didn't like. And then they began to spread things about me. And all of a sudden they had a group of them together. And he said, uh, I went to uh, Christmas Eve service. He said, I had my father-in-law, my mom, my dad. I had my three kids with me. And he said, uh, I had preached the, ser- uh, the service. And we, I went out to get into my car with my family there and my mother-in-law and father-in-law and everything with a couple cars beside it. We were going to go out to dinner. And he said he had a, 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 this guy come out. And several of them came out and he had this big box. And he began shouting and yelling at me, calling me all sorts of names. And he said, please just stop. I'm with my family. Here's my mom's here and my dad's here and all this stuff. And they said, he said he wouldn't stop. And he finally just got mad at him and took the box. And it was all his uh, stuff that he had in his office that they had thrown in a box. And he threw it in his car and said, get out of here. We never want to see you again. And he says, man, you could not believe how bad that made me feel. And he said, not just me, but he said, my kids and my wife. He said, how in the world am I going to pick up the pieces and try to go back to that church? I was thinking, don't go back to that one. <laughs> You'll be done with that one. Uh, but he said, how can I pick up the pieces and go back in the ministry? As a pastor, he didn't. He went on to be a seminary teacher. Um, And so uh, it just, it was a bad thing for his family. It was a bad thing for his kids. It was a bad thing for his in-laws and for his parents to see. But that's how, that's how it happens. People get mean-spirited. They get hateful. They get contentious. And he's saying, here you are in the midst of all this uproar. And verse 12 goes and kind of clears up what I was talking about before. That each of you says, I'm a Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm Cephas, or I'm Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And what he's saying here is, you don't follow man, you follow God. You follow Jesus Christ. Man will come and go, different personalities, different likes, different tastes, different um, styles, But they will come and go, but it shouldn't separate you. It shouldn't bring contention because are we not all of Christ? Are we not all baptized under the name of Jesus? So then Paul kind of gets a little smart with him. He says, I thank God only I baptized none of you except Christmas and Gaius. So he was like, I'm glad I didn't even baptize none of you. And I just, you know... As a pastor, I kind of got a chuckle of that because sometimes I feel guilty about stuff I say about people. But even even Paul, (laughs) even Paul had a weak moment to say, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you sorry suckers. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's just it's just, you know, it's just showing his humanity here. It's showing his personal side of it. He's not God. He's not Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I'm glad I had nothing to do with you guys. And, and he says, lest any of you should say, I baptize in your own name, baptize in households. Hey, I did also uh, baptize the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not whether I baptize any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. And here's the most important part. 
How do we know that a pastor, a preacher, or a message is of the Word of God? Look what Paul says. It's not with the wisdom of words. When we look to pastors, sometimes we grade them or messages, or even when we hear someone tell us a message from the Lord, it's not based upon style. It's not based upon excitement. It's not based upon somebody walking around and screaming and yelling or jumping up and down or quiet or loud. I've had messages from the Lord where there was even no word spoken. I've had messages from the Word where it was quiet, where it was loud. It was all different kinds. It's not the style, and it's not the wisdom of words. It's not how, how great or eloquent you can say it. It's, it's, it's the cross of Christ. It's the gospel. He goes on to say, and Romans as well, um, you know, it is the gospel, the power of God unto salvation. And that's why when you come to the cross and you come to the message of Jesus Christ each and every week, that's why I always share the gospel. And a lot of people say, why do you keep sharing the gospel? We all know it. People's heard it. People's heard it time and time again. But yet, a lot of times people don't really know it. And they don't know it in the sense that when the power of the Holy Spirit is in it and their heart is prepared and the cross and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, you never know when it's going to change someone's heart. I've had people listen to me preach for five years and then all of a sudden come to me and say, I never heard you explain the gospel that way and I want to be saved. I was blown away like, what have you been listening to every Sunday? Like, (laughs) maybe I wasn't as clear as I thought I was, you know? But it has nothing to do with what I say. It has nothing to do with the way you stammer. It has nothing to do with the delivery. It has to do with the message. And that's why when you come to church and you come to a church, you should judge it not based upon style, but based upon content. When the pastor gets done, it's not how great you are. It's how great God is. It's not how great the pastor is. It's not how great the style is. It's not how great the music is. It's not how great the lighting is and the smoke and the, and, and the dark and all the stuff that goes and the show that goes along with it. That's not the, that's not the content. That's just the style. The content is, what are the words you're singing? What are the words you're hearing? What are the message that you hear? If it's not the cross of Jesus Christ, a good way to tell is if you go to a church and you don't see any crosses. You know, there was a big movement about 10 or 15 years away, years ago to do away with all the crosses because crosses were offensive. I thought to myself, did you not read the Bible? <laughs> of course the cross is offensive. Of course the message of Jesus Christ is offensive to our, to, to our flesh and to those things because we can't, if we, if we refine the way that we are, then we have no need for the cross. But like Paul says here, it's not what I say. It's not my wisdom. It's not me tricking you anything or some doctrine. It's not five points of this, or it's not, uh, you know, no five points of this. It's not a tulip. It's not a flower. It's not any of those things. It's the message of the cross. It's the message that Jesus Christ saves. It's the message of what Paul is saying here. And when you try to do it in your own strength, your own power, your own wisdom, your own style without the content of the cross of Jesus Christ, it's of no effect. And that's why you have... Thousands of churches filled with people that walk out of the doors and they act the same way that the world acts. They never change. Their hearts are never changed. And you go to them and you'd ask them, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I go to so-and-so church. Oh, well, 
how has it changed your life? Well, it hasn't. It's, it's easy, right? It's easy believism. I put Jesus on top of everything else that I got in my life. And I, can, I go when I want to go, and I hear what I want to hear, and I, it's a great entertainment value, and I give a little money, and all of a sudden I feel really good, and I, and I build myself up. But do they know Jesus? When they die, are they going to go to heaven? Is there enough content in it to get them saved? And listen, I'm not throwing all churches in the same uh, boat, and, and, uh, but there's a lot of them. And, and not just in the Baptist, even in the Baptist, but just denominations in general. I mean, you, you can look at churches as a whole and see the power of Christ is left and the power of the cross is no longer there because they don't preach it. They don't, they don't go for it. They go with the wisdom of man. And we're going to go on later on and talk about this as well. But I'll give you the verse. That way, next week you can think about it. Verse 18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of of God. Man, what a powerful verse. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. I mean, what a contrast. Are you resting and believing in the, in the cross of Jesus Christ, and it's the power of God, or you uh, think it's foolish? And how the world scorns and how the world thumbs its nose, and how the world looks to God and the message of Jesus Christ and thinks, that's old-fashioned, that's out of date. There's no power in that anymore. But Paul was saying, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who know it, it is the power of God. And what hope do we have? I've said this before. When I stand before Jesus Christ, He's not going to ask me, was I a pastor? He's not going to ask me, did I, did, I, did I serve in the church? He's going to ask me, or I'm going to give an account for, do I know Jesus Christ? Do, do I, did I trust and believe in His salvation? Did I trust and believe in the power of the cross? And the same for you. They're not going to ask you, okay, what church did you go to? And look through the roll and go, oh, there you are, right there on the church roll. You got to come in. No, they're not going to ask you that. They're not going to ask you what family you're from. He's not going to ask you what, uh, you know, what denomination or what religion. He's going to ask you, did you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Do you know him? And that's what's most important. That's what Paul said. And, and this is something I've said before. It's always stuck with me. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, all right? So the main thing is knowing Jesus Christ. And the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing in our life. And when we get away from that, guess what happens? Contentious and picking, unthankfulness, ungratefulness. And you begin to argue and fight, point out other people's problems, and they have contentions and arguments. Someone said, you never see people on the front line arguing, battling the enemy. It's always those in the back of the line that's arguing. Because or, or, or when, when you're on the front line, you don't have time to argue. You don't have time to think about all the little things. You're busy engaged in the battle. And for us as Christians, we got to be engaged in the battle. we got to realize that we're sharing the gospel. It's Jesus Christ. It's Him who saves, not us. And it's not based upon who we are. It's based upon who He is. And when we get to fighting and arguing, and we're writing those chapters, and people, why would people want to come to church like that? Why would somebody want to come and get chewed out? Why would somebody want to come and be treated rudely? 
Why would someone want to come and they steal their parking place or they steal their seat, right? Why would somebody want to come to church like that? Which reminds me, if someone's sitting in your seat, please do not ask them to leave. <laughs> you can just sit in another seat. That's not your seat. You can just sit in another one. Um, but anyhow, it's, it's just how we get off of the main thing. And for as a church, for us as Christians, it's the main thing to keep Jesus the main thing. And so as long as we um, keep Jesus the main thing, we could talk about all these other things that Paul's going to go into and, and share. So with that said, I'm going to pray, and then we'll have a, just a few minutes to talk about it, and then we'll have a prayer time this morning. Let's pray. I mean, this evening. Let's pray.